So the reading this morning is Proverbs chapter 8 and verses 22 to 36 on page 642. So Proverbs chapter 8 and we're starting at verse 22. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was appointed from eternity from the beginning before the world began. When there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so that the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favour from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me harms himself. All who hate me love death. This is the word of the Lord. As we're aware, our series at the moment is headed the mystery of the Holy Spirit. And given that today is Trinity Sunday, we shall be thinking about God, the Holy Spirit, whose divine purpose is to bring honour to the Son, to the glory of God the Father. But first, let's pray. Father, speak to us through the scriptures. By your Holy Spirit, warm our hearts and enlighten our minds and bring honour to your Son as you deepen our relationship with him. Amen. some years ago now, but uh, there was a beginning when we first came to live in Basingstoke and we drove towards Basingstoke along the M3 and immediately there were buildings you could see from the distance. You can probably imagine the bits of the motorway I was on at that stage. And as we got closer and we looked around, uh, we looked upwards at the big buildings that formed part of the skyline which, um, depending on your tastes, are either superb or not. Um, there are other ground floor level stuff. The, the East Drop roundabout actually, I think, is quite a masterpiece in terms of um, the way it keeps the town intact without actually turning it in to uh, some of the inhabitants of Whitchurch, where we actually live, rather scornfully describe it as Donut City. 
but there are features on the skyline which we've actually got on our notices, on our services, service bulletins, week by week, Sunday by Sunday, which flag up the skyline that's always there. And then after a while, rather like us, um, you get on with the business of living, you do your shopping, you look around, and although those buildings are still in the background, you concentrate less on them, but they still give shape to what we have around us. And, and this got me thinking um, as I wondered how I should tackle a sermon about the Holy Spirit on Trinity Sunday. And the way it focused, rather curiously perhaps, is that we are fully aware as Christians that God is triune, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we're familiar with the statements that spell that out in different ways. But most of the time, as we read and study the Bible, although our triune God is the essential background to the main point of the passage we're looking at, we don't always realise that. And even it's possible, I think, by custom of familiarity, to rather take the triune God for granted. And we become, uh, if I can put it like this, Trinity negligent. We'll look at the passages of this part, the Old Testament, or another part, the New Testament, and not necessarily see how they hold together because God is God and God is the triune God. Now, obviously, this morning, I'm not even beginning to touch on the sheer scale and wonder of what the Bible tells us about God in his greatness. I just want to flag up one or two vital points. If you want to read further, uh, a couple of good books, but one that's on the bookstall, at least it was until the end of the last service, Bruce Ware's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, relationships, roles, and relevance, is superb. And I particularly recommend uh, the final chapter, which he has under the title, Beholding the Wonder of the Holy Spirit. Bruce Ware, pretty well anything he writes nowadays is worth reading. Do look out for him. That's the promotion. So, if we're Trinity negligent, where does that leave us? Well, let me flag up that what God the Holy Spirit does, which for the most part we know, in taking it for granted or getting used to it, we can sometimes miss out on the sheer grandeur and wonder of what Scripture teaches us. So this is what I want to spell out this morning. The Spirit of God, who's within each Christian believer and within the life of the church, whether it's the local church or the wider church, he doesn't make much of himself, but rather he makes much of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God within each Christian believer 
and within the life of the church doesn't make much of himself, but rather he makes much of Jesus Christ. And it's with that in mind that I'd like us to look at the Proverbs passage that we heard read earlier in the service. Chapter 8, verses 22 to 36. Uh, the book of Proverbs brings to mind pithy sayings. You don't read a chapter of Proverbs any more than you'd eat two or three Christmas puddings one after the other and expect to feel in good shape afterwards. These are sayings which are worth reading out a verse or even a bit of a verse at a time, savouring and seeing the point. We're told at the beginning of the book that the key authors are Agur, Lemuel, and most famously Solomon the king. But we don't actually hear from those key authors till chapter 10. Before that, from chapter 9 through to chapter, uh, from chapter 1 through to chapter 9, um, we have an endless series of proverbs and exhortations to be wise and not foolish. It's sometimes described as a father's praise of wisdom. In some Bibles, that's actually the heading given. And you get the drift. The first part of Proverbs are those kind of vital, life-affecting counsels that any one of us who's a father would want to pass on to our sons and daughters. Perhaps not by reading it to them in quite the way it is in the book, but... Uh, this is full of practical wisdom. But then suddenly in chapter 8, it, it becomes different. It's more than wise sayings. Listen again to verses 22 and verse 23. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works. Before his deeds of old, I was appointed from eternity from the beginning, before the world began, when there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water, and so on, comes a very clear description of creation. And then again in verse 30, uh, I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. And at the very least, we notice that this is wisdom personified. Maybe more than that, because this is wisdom speaking. And we're told that the creator God for him, wisdom, with a capital W probably, is indispensable, older than the universe, and fundamental to its very existence. And immediately, our thoughts go to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God 
was hovering over the waters. But it doesn't stop there in this passage from Proverbs. Look at chapter 8, verse 35. Wisdom speaking again. Whoever finds me finds life and receives favour from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me harms himself and all who hate me love death. And reading that, my thoughts went to 1 John chapter 5 in the New Testament. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 12, where the Apostle John writes these words about Jesus. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So what we're getting are glimpses of something that goes beyond often the immediate text that we're looking at. If we need wisdom in caring for the world, and we certainly do, it's because God himself has made and done nothing in creation without wisdom. And if we enjoy real life in Jesus as Christians, Jesus himself, as another passage most clearly points out, John chapter 1, Jesus was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And our vision broadens out. We see things that are beyond what the passage might teach us, so it seems, in the first instance. You may like to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, at the beginning of that key letter by the Apostle. And he's talking about the Gospel and about Jesus, verses twenty. 3 and 24. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And then the same chapter, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 13. It's because of him that you are in Christ. Because of God you are in Christ Jesus, who's become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. And as we read and study our Bibles, and you see immediately the vital importance of seeing Scripture as a whole from Genesis through to Revelation, what we come to see is that our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one true God, is the essential background to whatever it is we're actually looking at. Let me tease that out a little bit more, if you'd like to turn to Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter 3, 
perhaps more familiar words. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. First of all, Paul is concerned to underline for Timothy how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's 2 Timothy 3, 16 and, um, 15 and 16. But the key phrase that I want to emphasize this morning is the fact that Scripture is God-breathed. When the authors of the Old Testament and the New Testament wrote what they did, what they wrote is actually the very word of God breathed out through what they write. And that, of course, is hugely significant and important for us to grasp. But we might ask, how does it happen? How is it that what the biblical authors wrote really is what God wanted them to write. Well, look on to Peter's second letter, chapter 2. And I'm looking at verses 20 and 21. And Peter writes this, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. As they wrote, says Peter, what was in their hearts, using words and grammar and syntax, all the stuff of language. The Spirit of God was working within them so that what they wrote was simultaneously their word and God's word. And if we think about that, that's something truly amazing. Although God the Holy Spirit is primarily responsible for producing the Bible, it's the inspired word of God through the work of God the Holy Spirit. What we find is that the Bible isn't primarily about the Holy Spirit, but primarily about Jesus, the Son of God, and what came to mind as I looked at this was Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, when the Apostle Paul is caught up with the wonder of what Christ has done for him. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So what I'm stressing are really two things. 
The first is that God the Holy Spirit stands behind the scriptures. That's why the Bible matters. That's why it's not up to us to pick and choose whether we'll take it seriously or not and practice what scripture clearly teaches. It's God breathed. God the Holy Spirit stands behind the scriptures. But then related to this, and it's so important to remember, is the fact that God the Holy Spirit also stands behind evangelism. And a passage like Acts chapter 1 comes to mind. And verse 8. Jesus to the disciples to whom he's given a mission and his is the authority behind them in sending them out. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we also learn as we look at scripture that the heart of the gospel, the good news that we share, is not first and foremost about God the Holy Spirit, but about God the Son. For it's he, God the Holy Spirit, who enables us to witness to Christ. And that really is something to meditate on and reflect on day by day. You see, as we focus on the Holy Spirit, as we shine the spotlight on him, on the one who, who he is, we're shining the spotlight on one who doesn't seek or desire to be the center of attention, if I can put it like that. He's pointing us to the sun. And in the book I referred to earlier, Bruce Ware writes these words. It's nothing short of remarkable that the spirit clearly embraces and in no way resents the fact that he has eternally what might be called the background position in the Trinity. In creation, redemption and consummation, he willingly accept the, accepts the role of supporter, helper, sustainer and equipper. And in all these respects, he forsakes the spotlight. Such is the role of the spirit within the Trinity, broadly conceived. And there's ample reason for thought on this work of God the Holy Spirit. There's so much that you and I can learn from him and the example he gives us. So with that in mind, let's pray. And I want to read a prayer adapted from something written years back by the, the Christian thinker and philosopher and evangelist, Francis Schaeffer. And let's make it our prayer.
Father Most High, we pray that we may listen as your Spirit moves amongst us. Fill us, renew us, work through us, make much of Jesus, and shake this world again. Amen.